This broadcast is part of the IC Robots Radio Network. Visit icrobots.com for this and many other nerd slash nostalgia related podcasts. You won't be sorry for long. Recorded live on Jupiter's third largest moon, Callisto. He'll never retire or put his mic on the shelf. He's the baddest dude in the history of dudes itself. He's your host, Icy Robots. Greetings, Earth people. I am from Jupiter. It is me again, Icy Robots. I am not a hero, but I do sacrifice a bit of my week each and every week to make your week a bit less week. And this week it's going to get so much less week. We're going to start off with a bit of a combo with our boy Iceberg 13 and then... Then we're going to have a movie review. We're going to talk about a uh, Tanya Harding biopic I saw called I, Tanya. And then then we got a new feature. It's called The Ghostly Tome, in which I am going to talk about spooky, dookie, Dungeons and Dragons spells. I was into this stuff when I was a kid. I'll get into it. I'll get into it at that point. Let me find something on the drive to play for you guys. I hit it. And no frills, no fluff And it's no accident that these rhymes sound tough We're going off, baby, there's no turning back We're on your TV, Laserdisc, cassette and 8-track And when the show is finally finished, we'll be taking a bow Cos this is Icy Robots Radio and we've got know-how You know what I'm saying? Alright, that was something fun that the uh, incident from Pod B and Engineer Emily threw together. She's a good producer, man. She's really good at recreating these uh, these songs from the day of yore. That's, of course, a uh, Young MC classic. Uh, let's move let's move forward into the show. I, I got a little planned meeting with Iceberg 13. I think that I think that Homeboy is waiting right outside the door as we speak. So without further ado, let's let's get the dude himself, Iceberg 13. Come on in! Hey, Iceberg. Long time no see. Of course, I've seen you around the station. We've talked and stuff, but it's been, it's been a quick minute since you've been up on the show, and I was just wondering, man, like, two things. What's poppin'? And second of all, what did you do over the, uh, over the Christmas break? Anything fun? There is nothing popping, and I did not do anything fun. Okay, I feel you. You didn't do anything fun, but what... What did you do? I stayed up here and played video games in the snack shack. That doesn't sound too bad, dude. What 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 did you play? Anything cool? A game called Berserk. Berserk? Berserk is mad fun, dude. You're you're telling me that you you didn't like playing Berserk? No. I did not like it at all. No. Why not? Why not? I will tell you why not. Okay. Oh so I saw the game and I saw a robot chasing a flesh bag. Yeah, dude, that's berserk. Well... Well, 
Stop talking so much. You're right, sorry. I saw the game with the robot shooting a flashback so I naturally thought that I would be the robot hunting the world's most dangerous game. Not really but still. The world's most dangerous game. Flashbags. Nah man, it's the opposite. In Berserk, you're trying to escape from like some kind of evil robot overlords or something, right? Yeah. Yes, obviously. Let me tell my story. You invited me on but you keep interrupting me. You're right. I'm sorry. So yes, I saw that I was the flesh bag and not the robot. It was very disturbing to me. Yeah, okay, uh, so, so what did you do? What did I do? What choice is there? I ran the flesh bag into the wall three times and I went and played something else. Yeah, that's a wise decision, Iceberg. What, what did you play? Robotron 2084. You played Robotron 2084. Yes, but it was exactly the same. I was a flashbag fighting robots. Disgusting. Yeah, man, I don't I don't know how many games there are where you're a robot slaughtering fleshbags. I, I can't think of any off the top of my head. If you guys can, if you have any ideas of games Iceberg might like where you're like a robot going around slaughtering people, these have to be like arcade games. We don't we don't got Steam or any of that cool stuff up here. We just got we got an arcade, you know, the Commodore can get games for us if we want. He has some kind of a hookup, man. I don't I don't know what it is. I I don't know, I knew not, but He's always bringing new ones up here, sending them up rather. He doesn't doesn't come up himself. The Commodore is. He's the owner of Pooptronics Media, Pooptronics Cellular. That that's the company that runs the uh, runs the moon base that me and me and good old Iceberg uh, we hang out on. So Iceberg, I appreciate you coming in. I appreciate you telling us about these games. Let's uh let's get ready for the next segment. Uh, anything before we go, Iceberg? No, nothing at all. I am going to leave this now. Yeah, that's cool, man. W- w- where are you going? I have something to do somewhere else. That's dope. Do you you mind sharing with us? It is none of your concern and not because it is secret. I just don't feel like telling you. Farewell. Yeah, okay, uh, farewell, Iceberg. Journey on, my wayward son. Let's move into the next segment of the show known as At the Movies. In a moment, At the Movies, without Ebert, Siskel, or even that dude Roper. But you got Icy Robot, so that's something, right? You're never going to give me the scores I deserve. This is how it's done. Some of these girls have paid their dues. I don't give a I outskated them today. We also judge on presentation. Well, you know what? If you can come up with $5,000 for a costume for me, then I won't have to make one. Till then, just stay out of my face. Maybe you're just not as good as you think. Maybe you should pick another sport. Yuck-a-duck, we are back. Uh, I went to see I, Tanya, the Tanya Harding biopic on Monday. It happened to be a holiday, so the theater was packed. So so my normal plan of going early on Monday mornings didn't work as well as I, as well as I hoped. There was a lady sitting next to me who kept, she kept looking at her phone during the movie. And I, I turned around and I gave her the look like, what the heck? And she looked back at me and smiled like, 
this is a really great movie, right? And I just smiled back. I'm like, I don't want to ruin your fun, but I wish you wouldn't play. I wish you wouldn't play on your phone so much. But in the end, it's all good, as annoying as it was, because the movie was dynamite. I enjoyed this quite a bit. When when the whole Tanya Harding, Nancy Kerrigan thing came around, I was... I was like everyone else and I was just like mad hooked on that and I don't, I don't even know why I was just, I was into this story like crazy. I, I developed like the biggest crush on Nancy Kerrigan. I had like two or three different Nancy Kerrigan pictures on my bedroom wall. I don't know, man. I, I was into it, but in watching this movie, I... I got the whole story from a different direction, and I, I really appreciated that. It's it's the story of Tanya Harding. It focuses on Tanya, and Tanya is played by Margot Robbie, who you might know as Harley Quinn. She's she's good, good uh, dynamite actress. I don't – she said like a brain fart right there. I, I looked off into, into the corner of the recording booth, and I – I saw something looked a bit out of place. I have I have one of those black light posters. It's a unicorn and there's a dragon above it. And I I looked up there and it seemed like it's moved over a couple feet. I don't I don't know what that's about. Kind of kind of weird, but it it caught my attention. And I apologize. Uh, Margot Robbie is a dynamite actress, and she really really kills it as Tanya Harding. You see Tanya as, at first, she's abused by her mother, who is played by Allison Jenny. Allison Jenny won the, she won the Golden Globe for that, and we'll, we'll talk about that a bit, too, and then later in life, she's abused by her husband, Jeff Gilhooly, who you might know from the, from the Tanya Harding assault, and you see how Tanya is, she just, she gets looked down the nose of American figure skating because, because she's a bit trashy and because she doesn't have, she doesn't have the right body type. They like a long slender girl and she's a bit stocky. She is, she's a powerhouse athletic skater and that isn't what, that's not what American figure skating is looking for. They like more of an elegant, more of an elegant type skater and Tanya was, she was not that in any way. But none of this forgives, you know, what what happened with the whole uh, assault on Nancy Kerrigan. But you do get a lot of, you get a lot of sympathy for Tanya. It's, it's almost like if she was born into a different life, but she was still herself. She would have, she would have been clocking gold medals forever, but she had abusive relationships all throughout her past. And these... These formed her into, into the person she was. Now, I'm not saying this like, this is like a sugar-coated, sugar-coated tale of Tanya Harding that's going to leave you, leave you feeling like, dang, maybe I was wrong. Maybe Nancy Kerrigan was evil, because it's not that at all. It gives, it gives you a look at the mistakes Tanya made, but the story has always been more about Nancy Kerrigan and less about Tanya. Tanya was definitely looked at as the villain but this movie goes a long way to explaining what made her into a villain. And even just for that, it's worth watching if you follow this story back in the day. This gives you like this gives you the whole other other side of it. And I thought this movie was dynamite. I just said that a few minutes ago, but I want to say it again. I really, really had a good time watching this. There is like a whole comedic element. There is it's just good, man. It's just good all around. Jeff Gilhooly is played by Sebastian Stan, 
who you might know as uh, the Winter Soldier, and he's he's really good at it uh, as well. This guy is a good actor. I never I never really think of him that way because I always see him as just like the Winter Soldier, but in this, it's a completely different performance, and I, I've come to gain new respect new respect for him out of that. The movie has this interesting sort of, it's like a pseudo-documentary style of it, and at times the characters talk directly to the camera, and that's something that I don't always go for, but in this sense, it does, it works very well. Alice and Jenny as um, Tanya's mom won the Golden Globe, and I have said a few times that I favor Laurie Metcalf from Roseanne and from Lady Bird for the Oscar, and it seems like at this time, Allison Jenny is the favorite, and she is amazing in this movie. She is absolutely amazing. You're gonna, you're gonna be blown away by the performance, but recently I saw Laurie Metcalf on, I think it was Stephen Colbert. I just happened to be watching it, and, uh, she came out and she said that it's not so much her performance in Lady Bird because she feels like it's all down there on the page that Greta Gerwig, who wrote the movie, gave her a lot of really great stuff to do, and she just did it. So, in this sense... Allison Jenny is given a ton on the paper. She is given so much to do. It's like Margot Robbie's the star. Sebastian Stan is the male lead, but Allison Jenny is out there with like every money line in the movie. So she may end up winning the Oscar in the end, and it won't be completely deserved. But man, she's just given so much to work with that it's like. How do you not win the Oscar when you have a role like this? Let's hop on over to Rotten Tomatoes and we can see what, uh, what dudes are thinking about this movie really quick. I, I, uh, got it all booted up. It is 89% on the tomato meter and 96% with the people. It plays like a smudge over two hours. It was, it was directed by Craig Gillespie who did, uh, Lars and the Real Doll. And it was written by Steve Rogers, not Captain America Steve Rogers. This is the Steve Rogers who wrote the the Friday Night Lights movie that is eventually spun off into a TV show that we all know and love. Clear eyes, full hearts. Can't lose. Let's hear it, gentlemen. Clear eyes, full hearts. Can't lose. Let's go play some football. Let's go. So, I don't know, man. I recommend this movie highly. If you have if you have any inkling of interest in the Tanya Harding, Nancy Kerrigan story, hop out and see this now. It is a lot of fun. So, on the good old-fashioned Source Magazine, Mike Meter with five being an all-time classic and one being a dud, I am going to give I, Tanya, four, four mics. Four mics. Close your eyes and open your mind to a world of mysticism. A world envisioned by the legendary Gary Gygax. Join us on a journey into the magical world of dungeons and dragons, black arts and arcane spells. This is the Ghostly Tome with your favourite 25th level magic user, Icy Robots. My dear listeners, it is me, 
favorite 25th level magic user, a dude known as Icy Robots. And what we are going to do here is we are going to talk about spells, Dungeons and Dragons spells. I was... I was like the biggest Dungeons and Dragons mark when I was a kid. I I had a player's handbook, I had a dungeon master's guide, and I had a monster manual, and basically no friends to play with. I would just read the books and roll up characters and imagine, imagine adventures that these dudes would go on without, without ever actually playing the game. I think that in my life I have maybe had one or two total Dungeons and Dragons sessions in like the entirety of my existence, but I do consider myself to be a Dungeons and Dragons fan. I I peruse these books even today. This all got this all got started again when I was at the Santa Rosa Toy Con this uh this past summer and I saw a vendor there had the DM guide, the player's guide, and the monster manual, the ones that I had all for sale, but he wanted like 90 bucks for all three, and I really only wanted the player's handbook, so I had to pass, but the good old wife heard me whining about it, and she went on eBay, and she bought me, she bought me the advanced Dungeons and Dragons player's handbook that I, that I have in my hand today. It's, uh, the one with the black cover, and it has like a statue of a orange demon, and there are two thieves up there trying to remove his eyes while in the front there is, like, some kind of a ritual sacrifice of some sort of a, uh, lizard-like demon. This is, this is the original TSR version by the, the all-time great Gary Gygax. I got my original set of D&D books at the flea market, the Sebastopol flea market. My family didn't go to the flea market all the time. We would go, like, just every once in a while. And one week we went and I scored a big, a big box of role-playing stuff from, from some dude. I can still remember what table it was because we still go to the, we still go to that flea market and they have a permanent table set up. You don't have to bring your own. They have, like, these really long wooden tables that you can set up on, and I could, I could point out the table today where I got this stuff, because I went up to Homie, and he had the, he had the box, and my, my folks were off elsewhere, and I didn't have any money, and I was like, please, 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 you gotta hold these, you gotta hold these, and that was how I got it, because I had to go run, find my parents, and run back, I, I can remember it really vividly today, I also, I remember what happened to them, I had these books forever, like, the entirety of my life, but then one day, I was hanging out with my, with my homeboy Jesse, and we needed some money to do whatever we were gonna do, and we heard that this bookstore downtown named Treehorn would buy books, so we decided to go back through my books, see what I had that might be, that might be something somebody would want, and the thing we came upon was my, um, my advanced Dungeons and Dragons guide. I also had, like, deities and demigods and just a few other ones too i had like six or seven ones and we took them down the treehorn and i sold them all i ended up getting like a hundred bucks so at the time it was it was really worthwhile but in retrospect it was very regretful i would uh i would like to have those books today the i have copies i have copies of all of them but i would I would like to have the originals. What I would do was I would just, I would go through the books and look at the different character classes and the different weapons and accessories you could have. And I would, I would just roll up 
characters in different situations. Like I might make like a third level elf fighter and dip him out with all kinds of all kinds of different accessories and stuff. But there was one guy. It was a magic user that I envisioned as a 25th level uh, I don't know, man. What would you call a 25th level magic user? Let's we're gonna be flipping through the guide, so you're gonna hear a lot of like flippy flips and stuff. And I hope you can I hope you can dig that because we are going through we're going through the tome. Let's get to the character classes part. I am passing druids. There is the magic user. A magic user past the 12th level is known as a wizard. I I took it all the way as far as I could. They they go as high as 18 in this, which is a mage or an arch mage. And I I named this homeboy Archimedes. I wasn't I wasn't like the most creative dude at the time, man. Archimedes was my guy. I would I would pick spells for this guy and then I would like change him sometimes and he would acquire new things. I like to I like to play the D&D modules by myself. I would get those pre-made modules and I would play them by myself. Now, don't feel sorry for me. Don't feel sorry for your homie Icy Robots. It was it was like at the time at Binkley Elementary, D&D was popular, but the only group that actually played was like the popular kids, like the Beverly Hills 90210 kids with the Les Paul guitars and the mongoose bikes and the peg pants and the the whole bit, you know, and these dudes were just not down with your guy Icy Robots. They didn't like me, and they didn't like the other nerds that I that I hung around with. So they would be like running this campaign in the library, and you got to imagine like imagine a D and D campaign with like Dylan from Nine Hundred Two One Zero and Brandon and like Zach Morris and Mario Lopez and like all those guys playing D&D, and they had, like, all the stuff, you know? They had, like, mountains of dice and, like, the Dungeon Master board that you could hide behind and all the modules because they had, like, super rich folks who would dip them out and all the cool stuff. And not jelly. I'm not jelly at all, but it's, like, that's how it was. So I wasn't able to participate in the in the game now, I don't know why the other nerds that I hung out with, we didn't all just, like, make our own campaign. Mostly, I would imagine that, like, I was into it, but I don't know if everybody else was into it. And this was, like, before the era of playdates. Like, nowadays, it's like playdates are the thing, and you drive your kids all over the place. Back then, if a homie lived on, like, the other side of Rinkin Valley, it was up to me to get over there. And biking on the Huffy wasn't... Wasn't always the move. It's very hilly where I live. Like, we live at the base of the Rinkin Mountains. And it's just super hilly. Unless you have, like, a really nice bike, you're going to be struggling. And being, like, you know, a fifth grader on a Huffy BMX, you could not tackle some of these hills. And I wouldn't I wouldn't even try. I was a wuss. So, I didn't see, like, tons of people outside of school. We talked about this, like, in the, in the My Pal Andy episode of This Boring Life. I didn't, I didn't have a lot of, like, pal time with the kids in the school. I had mostly, like, proximity pals, which are kids of, like, varying ages who lived around the neighborhood. So I was never really able to, like, get Archimedes into any kind of, like, hardcore D&D action. Just things that I would take him through, you know, these pre-planned modules, things like that. But the thing that I was, like, mostly into 
with Archimedes was the spells, which is weird because nowadays I am not a big fan of wizardry. I don't dig Harry Potter or any of that stuff. If you do, that's awesome. A lot of people do, and it seems like a lot of fun, but I don't go for, I don't go for magic. It just feels like an easy plot device. Like, for example, let's say, you know, you put your wizard in a situation. It's just, now he has a spell that gets him out of the situation. It's just an easy plot device. I don't dig it. But at the time, I was into these into these spells like crazy. Oh, Peru. Ready, this name is going to devastate you. The Ghostly Tome. And Archimedes had the Ghostly to keep track of his spells, and that's why I have decided to name this segment The Ghostly Tome. So, if you're wondering, that's it there. What I want to do is I kind of want to just, like, get into the manual and examine a couple spells, you know, a few spells each time. Maybe two. I hope to make The Ghostly Tome a regular segment. I hope... I hope you kind of, hope you can stick with me while I, you know, figure out the details of what it's going to be. It's, it's an all new idea, a brand new idea in the world. And sometimes, you know, those take a while to, uh, ferment properly. So stick with me. Let's, let's begin. The first spell that, these are spells that I was kind of obsessed with as a kid. I would go through and I would alter, I would alter Archimedes' spell all the time, but while doing so, I would... I would peruse these books and just examine these and I would see how these spells could be used in my daily life. That was, that was really the impetus of all this. I would be thinking about these things all the time and I'd be like, man, it would be so great if I were Archimedes and I could do this. It would be so dope. I don't think I said dope. What would I say? Man, it would be so fresh if I were Archimedes and I could do this right now, but I'm just stupid old icy robots sitting here watching Watching channel 36 on my dumb black and white TV. KICU channel 36. This is 36 KICU, San Jose, San Francisco, Oakland. Let's, uh, let's begin. The first one is a second level spell called the Unseen Servant. It is a conjuration or a summoning, meaning that you conjure something up or, or you summon it. Why did I... Why did I even explain that? It is a level one spell, has a range of zero. It lasts for six turns plus one turn for each additional level that you are. So Archimedes being a 25th level magic user, you know, just an archmage, a master, a master of the dark arts. He had six plus 25. So he would have this homeboy for 31 rounds. There are no saving throws against it and it takes one, one turn to cast. Let's see. Let's see what it is. A The Unseen Servant is a non-visible ballet, a butler to step and fetch, open doors, hold chairs, as well as to clean and mend. The spell creates a force which is not strong, but which must obey the command of the magic user. It can only carry lightweight items, a maximum like 200 gold pieces. That might weigh a lot. Gold is... Gold's a heavy element, but you see what's going on here. What the spell does is it allows you to make an invisible butler. And I would think about this invisible butler all the time. I'd be like, man, if I was Archimedes, I would just make an unseen servant right now to go get my fish and chips TV dinner so I could just watch Star Blazers uninterrupted because we didn't have a VCR at the time. So I would, I would want my fish, my fish and chips TV dinner super bad, but the, the kitchen was like all the way across the house. And I didn't, I didn't want to go get it. I didn't want to miss any Star Blazers, which was a show I was way into on KSCU Channel 36. I don't know. I don't know why I was thinking about that so much, but 
I've really been thinking about the days of like dial TV back back in the good old days of television. I guess it's because I'm looking into acquiring like an old TV for the for the chill room down on the earth base. But I would think about having this invisible servant just about any time anyone asked me to do anything. They'd be like, hey, I see robots. Go clean your room. If I had an invisible servant right now, I would just class the spell and he'd have to stay here for 31 rounds. That's long enough to clean up the room and put away all my clothes. But no, I have to go do it myself. I'll try not to make that voice again. For the moment, it's amusing me, but I can hear that it's super annoying. So I will... I will try to keep down on that when I'm when I'm pretending to be my fifth grade self. I hope I didn't sound like that in fifth grade, but I kind of think that I did. I I sort of think I did. I I was I was a bit insufferable. I'm a bit insufferable now. So even back then, you know, I was insufferable. But like over the years, I've I've learned to rein it in a bit. So I'd like to think I'm a bit less insufferable. But inside of me is that kid making the voice. That sounds like that, but the Invisible Butler was my jam. I was obsessed with that. At the time, I I might have been willing to sell my soul to get the dark arts just so that I could have an Invisible Butler. I was, I was such a lazy kid. I wanted him to get my TV dinners. I wanted him to clean my room. I wanted him to, I wanted him to do my homework, do my chores, do everything. Then, then I started thinking... Who is this butler? Is is it like the magic is so powerful that it can create what is what is in some ways a sentient being because he can understand your commands and he can like adjust on the fly for different things. So he has the intelligence above that of for example a Roomba. My Roomba is super intelligent, but the invisible butler is even more so. So is it is it that your magical abilities are so great? That you can conjure up somebody with sentient abilities. Is it that your your arcane spell is grabbing somebody from another dimension and pulling them into your servitude? After a while, man, this this started to weigh on me, and I stopped enjoying the Invisible Butler as much as as much as I did. But there were also moments when I when I felt a bit cruel, and I'd be like, "I'm gonna get that Invisible Butler, grab that person from another dimension." I'm sorry, I said I wouldn't do that, but. I would say I'm going to grab the guy from the other dimension and I'm going to bring him back here and make him do my bidding. I'm going to make him clean up the garage because I do not want to. I was a bit of a jerk. I I like to think that I've grown past that, that I've become a bit more woke, become a bit more mindful. But at the time, you know, kids are, kids are pretty mean. According to the player's handbook, you need a piece of string and a bit of wood. To cast a spell alongside, you know, the ability to cast spells. I wonder, I wonder if I ever tried to do that. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be surprised if I did, but maybe not. I was, I was a bit on the lazy side. I may have, I may have like wanted the invisible butler just so that he could cast a spell to create himself. But that, uh, that would never work. Therefore, I, therefore I never had the invisible butler or... The Unseen Servant. The Dungeon Master has placed you in a dreadfully precarious position. You're playing the most phenomenal game ever created. Your skin grows cold from your first glimpse of the enormous beast. It's a product of your imagination. Survival depends on a quick, decisive move. Your choices are limited. Stand and fight, or run. Use your lightning bolt. Victory is yours. TSR Hobbies, Dungeons and Dragons game, products of your imagination.
second spell that I want to talk about is one that I was obsessed with. I cannot stress enough how obsessed I was with this. It's a spell known as Find Familiar. What Find Familiar basically is, is a spell that allows you to find your wizardly, your wizardly pal, like, what's his face? Harry Potter has an owl. This allows you to find, to find yours. Let's look at, at some of the details. It's a level one spell that has a range of a mile. It is, uh, a casting time of one through 24 hours, and it needs three components to make it work. The description is as thus. A familiar is of certain benefits to a magic user as the creature adds to the spellcaster's hit points. It conveys its sensory powers to its master and it can converse with and will serve as a guard, scout, spy as well. However, the magic user has no control over what sort of creature will answer the summoning or if any will come at all. What you do is you roll the dice to to summon your familiar. You roll 1d20 and whatever whatever you wind up with is what you wind up with. Sorry, sorry you guys had to hear me tapping about there, but I have been I have been looking for a d20 dice roller online and I have found one and we are going to roll up a familiar right here online. You know though, we're we're going to save that for the end. That's like that's like the main event of the segment. Let's let's talk about the the spell and what I thought about it at the time. I've always loved animals. I've always loved dogs. I've recorded a whole this boring life about dogs. I I don't mind cats. I don't mind fish. I don't I don't know, but I've always wanted like nice loyal pets. But when you are a kid, you you can't get a loyal pet because frankly, you're a kid and you're down the totem pole and the dog knows that. The dog knows they love the one who feeds them and takes care of them. And they know that while maybe you're nice, you're not necessarily the alpha. So they don't, they don't give you that much respect. So I would, I would think about like, I wish I could find a familiar. I wish I could just find somebody that was loyal to me, like that mechanical owl that Perseus had in, in Clash of the Titans. I wish I had something like that. And I was just stuck with like the cool, like mediocre style dogs that I had and the cats that I had. I... I would want to cast this spell so bad. I would I would sit around and I would look at the various familiars. And there are different things you can get. For example, you could get a black cat, which has excellent night vision and hearing, or a crow, which has also excellent vision. Or you could get a hawk, which has distance vision, maybe an owl, which has night vision and daylight vision, as well as hearing, or a toad, which has a wide angle vision. It seems like for the most part. What you're doing with your familiar is that it's off, it's off spying for you. A toad would be cool, I guess, but you would really have to make a point to keep that toad safe, whereas the other ones could, they could flit about and do whatever they wanted. You could also get a weasel, which has superior hearing. That is, that's very similar to Kodo and Poto in Beastmaster, but they, they are not weasels. They are, they are like more attractive weasels, you know, the... The kind of pet weasel that you can have. You can have in Arizona or states with, with you know, more liberal uh, laws in regards to pets. Why is it when when a weasel becomes a pet, it's called a ferret? We all know they're the same thing. My, my daughter 2.0 wanted, she wanted rats as a pet. She wanted like a pet rat in a cage. I don't know. I, I thought that was fine. And when we went to the pet store, they... 
They called them fancy rats. And the lady was telling me how these aren't like street rats. These are fancy rats. And I'm just like, a rat is a rat is a rat. A ferret is a weasel is a weasel, I guess. I don't know. Maybe they're not. Maybe they're totally different. I don't know. Isn't, isn't like a mink just a weasel with fur? <laughs> I don't know. If you guys are like ferret lovers, I apologize. I, I mean nothing by it, man. It's like, they just all seem the same to me. <laughs> I'm sorry. I mean nothing by it. If you have a pet ferret and you love it, that's good, man. Anything that like, anything that brings love into your heart, I am, I'm all for it. I mean nothing by it. And I'm probably going to lose the entire listener base. You guys are all probably ferret lovers. I apologize. Let's just go ahead and do it. Let's, uh, I don't know. It's probably, it's probably time to get out of here. Find Familiar was, it was very important to me as a kid. I would just imagine like having this, this magical ability to summon a beast that would be that would be my pal. Like I said, I had a lot of proximity pals, but I never, I never like fully had the love of, of a beast. I mean, nowadays I have dogs and my dogs are super loyal. Uh, Ursa, Ursa the Wonder Dog is terrific. She's at my side all the time when I'm, when I'm down on the earth base. But when you're a kid and you, and you really could use that kind of companionship, it just doesn't seem like dogs or whatever are into you the way that they are for kids in movies like a movie like my dog skip these kind of things kids always have like these super loyal dogs but in real life the dog knows you're not the one that supplies the food so they don't they don't care about you and honestly the dog is right the reason you don't supply the food is because your folks can't trust you to feed the dog the twice a day the dog needs to be fed so they do it themselves the dog knows it the dog knows you're not a good leader let's Let's go ahead to the the part of the show where we are going to create a familiar. I am at rolldiceonline.com. I have it set up for a 20-side die roll and I'm going to I'm going to tap on this button and then we are going to see what kind of familiar we would have. Let's go ahead. I rolled it and I got a 17. Hmm. That sucks. 16 through 20 means there is no familiar within the spell range. So, I guess I got nothing. That turned out to be, that turned out to be bad. The way the spell would work is it would cover the area with, you know, the the essence of your arcane spell. And if one of these animals was nearby, I guess, I guess they would get hooked. But as it turns out right now, there are no toads. There are no weasels or owls or crows. That's not true because I saw crows the other day when I was out, when I was out walking Ursa, I saw some crows over by, over by what remains of Oak Park. It's very sad. I have to walk past Oak Park every day when I walk the dog and I see, I see the burnt up remains. It's no good in the hood over there and it's no good for me right now. I don't have a familiar. What can I say? That, that stinks. Let's, let's give it another shot. This one... This one won't be, this one's not, it's not for real like the other one, but it would be fun to have a familiar of some sort that we can, we could all share, you know, we can share it together. I'm trying to find it. I actually, I put the book down on the ground. Let's, uh, let's roll that virtual 20-sided die one more time. And we got 12. Number 12 gives you, it gives you a toad. So... The official familiar of Icy Robots Radio is nothing, but if it were to be something, it would be a toad. That, that seems correct, you know? It seems on point. Uh, 
That's about it. This was fun. This was fun for me. It was fun to talk about d and I hope you guys enjoyed it. Let me know what you think on Twitter. That's at Icy Robots, I-S-E-E Robots, as if I'm looking off in the horizon and I see some robots coming. Facebook.com backslash Twitter. Let me know what you think of the ghostly tome. I'm out. Please drop by supportthereport.com and consider becoming a show patron for as low as a measly dollar a month. It's the right thing to do. You've made it this far. It's time. The final segment, your weekly toy shop update, the Toys R Us Report. All right, it is me, and we are back for the final segment of the show, the one in which we part, the one in which we we go separate ways, and parting is such, such sweet sorrow. I hope that, hope we all make it through. Uh, consider becoming a show patron over at supportthereport.com. There's a lot of um, additional content over there, a lot of fun stuff. It's well worth the, well worth the minimal amount of a dollar a month. It's even worth, it's worth the $5 full amount. I don't know, just consider it, supportthereport.com. Also... I got the, uh, IC Robot Super Tape. It's the VHS mixtape, bunch of fun stuff that I found on old, uh, tapes I got at the dig. I like to buy tapes at the dig that appear to be recorded episodes of TV shows. I, I like to look for commercials, station bumpers, things like that, and I, I put together, like, two hours of that. It's, it's pretty fun. I think you want it, you can get that for $9.99. Um, even if you don't have a VCR, even if you're not into that scene, it's still, still a nice piece of... Nice piece of show memorabilia. It has a custom cover. It'll look, look good on a shelf. You can get that. Contact me over at uh, facebook.com backslash robots, and we can work out the details. It's, it's cool, man. I think that, I think you want to get up on this. So, so what's popping on? I've been, I've been talking about the, uh, the chill room down on Earth Base, Earth Base 1. I'm hesitant to call it a man cave because, I don't know, I don't like the idea of a cave. I don't hide in a cave. I have a chill room. I chill. I chill like a vill. That's where I keep... So I keep my toys and my comics and stuff. Well, honestly, the comics are in the garage. The the by and large comics are in a bunch of long boxes in an area that I have in the garage. It's accessible. I go there all the time and look for stuff. It's cool. The the good comics though are they're on the wall in the earth base. I got a big wall of, you know, first appearances and key issues that I've collected over the years and Last week, I was telling you that I found a TV on the side of the road and that I was using it to watch my Roku, using it to play the uh, PlayStation 3 that I unearthed. I'm still on the 3. What do you want to do? It's good. I like it. I have a bunch of games I like to play, and I I play them. And, uh, anywho, I found this 20-inch TV out on the side of the road, and I brought it home, and it worked great. Well, within, like... Three days of working grade, it stopped working, so that's out. That's out in the garage, but I was, I was TV-less. I want, like, I want one of those little glass front TVs, you know. I'm not, like, I don't want the aesthetic of a flat screen. Flat screens are dope. I got nothing against them, man. They are far superior, but I'm trying for, like, this retro aesthetic, so I want, like, an older TV. I had a, like, a 90s TV. I would like to move down to an 80s TV. I want, like, a knob that I can turn to adjust things, like a dial. I want a dial TV, but I was, I was TV-less, and I was a bit bummed, because I got used to, you know, chilling in there, and then it was all of a sudden, like, yanked out from under me. It was whack. So, the wife, the wife saw that I was bumming, and she got on Facebook Marketplace, and she found somebody who had a 27-inch TV in their garage, and all you had to do was go over and pick it up. So, while I was... 
Well, I was just like straight simping. She got on the move and then all of a sudden she comes over to me. She's like, hey, we're going over to uh, South Park. We're going to pick up this TV. South Park is this neighborhood over by the over by the fairgrounds. And she was like, we're going over there to pick up a TV. So we we drove down in, in the Dodge Ram and the gal was there. She met us. She opened up the garage. And she's like, there's a TV. And it's ginormous. It's like a 27-inch TV. I, I like it. I like it a lot. Brought it home. Works like a dream. So... This one's gonna hold me over until I find myself like a nice, like a nice 80s TV. I, I was talking about this last week. I've been looking at them on eBay and I have a bunch, a bunch saved that I want to buy. But what I really want is to just like find one locally on like Craigslist or like Facebook Marketplace where someone's like, I got this crummy TV in the garage. If you want it, you can come pick it up. I would, I would drive as far as maybe Oakland to get one if somebody had a really great, like, a Zenith TV with a dial and they still have the remote and all that stuff or whatever. I would, I would consider going as far as Oakland to pick it up. But online, you're going to pay, like, 200 bucks for a nice TV. People use it for gaming TVs. And I talked about this all last week. I just wanted to give an update about the TV that I found on the roadside. Didn't last long. Has been replaced. The good old wife came through while I was simping. That's the that's the story of our lives. Here's another story about the wife. For Christmas, I got her one of those uh, Star Trek Discovery t-shirts. We're watching Discovery together, and we love it. I think it's so great. Just so, so good. It's on the CBS All Access. I recommend it. I recommend it with the highest ISR recommendation. If you're... If you're going to sign up for that, sign up through thelogbook.com. That's Earl Greenside. He's... He's also the dude you want to follow if you're into the trick, so consider that the logbook.com. Uh, I got her a Star Trek Discovery shirt. It's one of their physical fitness shirts. It has, like, a enunciated Discovery across the front. It just says Disco, and it has, like, the Star Trek, the Starfleet symbols on each sleeve. It's a nice shirt. We saw them wearing it once, and she was like, I would love to have that shirt. That shirt is so great, so... I made a mental note, and then when Christmas rolled around, I went over to StarTrek.com and I bought it. But what I didn't know when I ordered it was that it was completely sold out, and they weren't going to be getting any for three more weeks. So we actually just got the shirt the other day, and here's the rub. I got the wrong size. I got one that was too big, so we have to send it back, and it's going to be a couple more weeks before she gets her present. That's that's all on me. I don't know how to make up for it. Maybe I should, maybe I should take her out and, and buy her a Barbie. I, I got this big suitcase full of Barbie clothes. It's like one of those Barbie carry cases and it has like a ton of clothes in it. And I picked it up at the dig. It came by and I grabbed it. It was like a cool vintage thing. I am not like a Barbie aficionado or anything, but I got to give it up to Barbie. She has like some dope accessories. You know, if you're, if you're into action figures because of like the accessory tip, Barbie has the best. The big G.I. Joe probably has the best because his are like guns and knives. But Barbie has such a variety of things. So many different clothes, so many different shoes, so many like electronics devices. I have a stack of Barbie televisions. Whenever I see these at the action, at the uh, flea market rather, I I pick them up. I don't know why. I just do. I I like them. I have a big stack in the in the living room on top of a painting. We have this painting and there's like seven Barbie TVs all stacked up, but... I gave her the suitcase full of Barbie stuff, but it only had a Skipper doll. Skipper's whack. Nobody wants Skipper. You want Barbie. So maybe I should take her out and pick her up a Barbie so then she could like try on some of these clothes. I don't know. I got to make up for this in some way, even though it's not really my fault. They didn't tell me that it was that it was out of order until like a couple weeks after I was already 
waiting for it. So by then it was too late, you know, to recover. I got her other Christmas gifts naturally, but this was, this was going to be one of the cooler ones, but, um, I don't know. So I've, I've really been into the three and three quarter inch Star Wars figures from The Force Awakens, and it's made me like, it's made me realize that I made a mistake in not picking some of these up from the other movies when they came out because they're only like seven bucks and they are really great detailed and they work on the same scale as, you know, your old, your old Star Wars dudes. I talked about all this last week. What I didn't get to was that the, uh, the Saw Gerrera has arrived. You all know, you all know my love for Saw Gerrera. It's a trap, isn't it? <laughs> what? The pilot. The message, all of it. Did they send you? Did you come here to kill me? There's not much of me left. I love me some Saw. What I like about Saw is he and his cadre of dudes seem like they seem like real rebels. That was what I liked about Rogue One is they seem like real rebels. The dudes that Cassian Andor gets to fight with him at the end, they seem like real rebels in that they are dirty. They seem desperate. They seem like they are fighting the man and it's kind of a, it might be a losing effort. It might be a wasted effort, but you're doing it. You're a rebel. So you rebel. And that's what, um, that's what I think about Saw. And some of the other movies, the Rebels are very clean. They have a very nice hideout and all that stuff. Uh, Saw lives in a cave, man. He lives in a cave on some cruddy planet. But I got the uh, I got the Saw figure, and the details of this dude are really, really great. You can tell, you can tell that it's Forrest Whitaker, and this is a small figure. It's only three and three quarter inches, and he comes with his with his cane, you know, his staff and the. The the tooling of this, I think, is really good. He also has a pistol, a nice pistol that fits into a holster. I I love it when an action figure has a holster. That was something I always wanted when I was younger. I wish that the dudes could have a little place to hold their guns. And now, now they've finally gotten to the point where they can make this a reality. So I am super pleased with this saw. I picked him up just for a... Uh, a few buckaroos over on eBay. I also bought the the Force Awakens Kylo Ren. I'm waiting for that to get here. I got that for like seven bucks shipped. He this is the version where he's in the full armor with the helmet and everything. I like this one. I want it. I do want the one with his mask off, but I, I thought I'd get this one first. And then over at Walmart, hold on one sec. I had to reach out. Over at Walmart, I picked up Rose's sister Paige. She is the bomber pilot. I was out. I was over there, I just kind of wanted to get something, and these are so cheap, it doesn't even, doesn't even make a diff when you get one, so I went through all the guys they had there, they had Grand Emperor Hux, they had DJ the Codebreaker, the, the Slicer, Benicio Del Toro, they had Rose, they had, um, somebody else, and they also had Paige, and I thought Paige was the best looking of all the figures. She has a helmet, which I like, as well as her figure is wearing the skull cap that goes under the helmet that she was wearing. She has a pistol. I haven't opened her yet. I'm, I buy figures sometimes that I'm going to open, and I wait till, wait till I need like a little pick-me-up, and then I pop them open, but I've been doing pretty great lately, so Rose is still unopened. I might just open her just, just for the heck of it. Uh, I like this figure, and then I, I meant Paige. I said Rose. I meant Paige. Rose is, Rose is sadly a peg warmer, as we have all 
as we have all seen. Um, what else is going on? That might be about it. Oh, I watched the Black Lightning pilot, um, the CW, and I thought it was dynamite. I thought it was so, so great. Great pilot. Basically, it is the story of Black Lightning nine years after he has retired from superheroing. He's a married man with a family. He's a school principal. And this gang called the 100 is starting to run roughshod over his city. It gets to the point. This is how real it is. It gets to the point where the gang is going to kidnap one of his daughters and they're going to, um, they're going to turn her into a prostitute. They're going to turn her out, put her on the stroll. It's horrible. And this causes Black Lightning to have to, have to return to fight crime. And it's great when he does. He's zapping dudes left and right. I loved it. Thought it was great. Can't wait for, can't wait for the next one. That airs after The Flash, so... If you're already watching The Flash, just stick around and watch Black Lightning. I I give it a very high Icy Robots recommendation, at least for at least for the pilot. Who knows how it's going to go? I'm assuming it's going to be great. Most of these shows are great. I I dig them all. Don't like Arrow as much as some of the other ones, but I do I do dig the whole Berlanti verse. Um, we're gonna get up out of here. So. Next week, we're going to we're gonna talk some Black Lightning. We're going to do a who's who in the DC Comics universe about Black Lightning himself, Jefferson Davis. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're all going to learn about the latest dude to join the join the CW, the DCW Berlantiverse. Um, so, until then, this is me, Icy Robots. I'm signing off for Iceberg. He's around here somewhere, probably playing Robotron 2084. More than likely not. Um... has been an IC Robots Radio production. IC Robots Radio is a listener-supported in day R. If you like what we do and we make your day a little easier, please consider tossing a few bucks our way to help keep the life support running. All money collected goes to help us prepare for future space pirate attacks. Go on over to supportthereport.com for all the details. Thanks and have a great week.